0: It's not that it's actually awful, but it's identifying that there's a negative thought pattern that goes inside my mind that normally debilitates me, and I try to hide it. And when I try to hide it, I disconnect with my humanity. And when I disconnect from my humanity, I disconnect with everyone. And when I do not integrate those parts of me that are awful, I can never be whole.
1: What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Patrick Cook. Welcome to Being. Being is a place where we gather to explore some of life's most difficult questions. What does it mean to lead a meaningful life? What does it mean to live a life of purpose or on purpose? How do we make sense of the world? Really, what we're asking is what the hell is going on? My intention with this podcast is to explore what it means to be human in the modern world through the lens of creativity, consciousness, and personal development. Through authentic conversations with a wide array of guests, including artists, intellectuals, scientists, visionaries, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, BEING ventures to make collective sense of an increasingly complex world with a unifying goal of building a sustainable future for all. As humanity continues to march full steam towards extinction, we can no longer afford to simply ask, what is best for me? The question now must become, what is best for me and the whole simultaneously? And so, dear audience, I want to inspire you to take full responsibility, to find your purpose, and to engage your evolution as a conscious agent. I challenge you to live your being. If you're enjoying the content, please do subscribe to the show and get a new episode delivered directly to your device every Friday. And as always, I love hearing from you. So please do rate and review the episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whichever platform you prefer. For show notes and more information, head on over to being-podcast.com. Tina Marie Clark is a model, mother, and the creator and author of the shift Stirrer method, a five-step mindfulness method which equips women with the tools they need to shift their perception and move through life with greater ease. A captivating speaker, Tina Marie helps women of all backgrounds discover the transformative power of everyday experiences. The shift stirrer method encourages women to get vulnerable and honest with themselves to own your awful and turn negative thought patterns into more empowering ones. Tina Marie has spoken at many conferences and retreats like Say Hello Wellness and been interviewed by leaders in wellness like Deepak Chopra, Melissa Wood Health, and been featured in publications like Vogue, Marie Claire, Hamptons, and more. Tina Marie Clark, welcome to being... Tina Marie Clark, welcome to Being. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: This is really exciting. So you are the creator of the Shift Stir Method, which sounds incredible. And I'm really excited to dive into that and unpack it a bit. Um, But your website says it gives you the practical steps to shift your life from chaos to peace, from self-sabotage to calm confidence, from hot mess to cool and collected. I love that. And all you need are your own thoughts. Sounds absolutely amazing. And again, I'm really excited to dive into that and unpack it. Um, But one of the my favorite parts of this podcast is talking to people and hearing about their journey, hearing about their story, how they started, what their childhood was like and what brought them to the place that they are now. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to sort of go right back to the beginning and ask you about, um, your childhood. Were you supported as a child? Um, did you feel, uh, how did your childhood bring you to the place you are now?
0: Yes. Um, I just hearing you read back my website. I'm like, yeah,
1: I'm like, <laughs> right. It sounds amazing.
0: You like getting getting high on your own supply. Cause totally. I'm like, no, that, and it's really, um, such a power. I'm so glad that I found this within myself and within and being able to share it with other people, because in my childhood, I would say that I had a really early exposure to being ashamed of myself and mm. ashamed of my family. We grew up in Section 8 housing and I knew that we were poor. We grew up in um, Souderton, Pennsylvania, which is a um, middle-class neighborhood, but we uh, were in Section 8 housing. So it, it just felt like the delta between the people I went to school with and my family worse was so vast. Mm. Um, I, my mom was a single mother of three kids and she was a hot blonde picking up her three kids <laughs> with no, you know, no father. She left my father when uh, we were really young and you know, she was just, uh, she was a rebel. And I love that about my mom, but it was, we, we stuck out like a sore thumb. We were these wild, I I felt like we were feral in a way, which is, it was the kind of a love hate thing. Cause I love that we were wild and we were really um, on my mom. I I would say my mom's parenting style was unorthodox. She really, now it's considered like conscious parenting, but at that time it was just wild. Um, So I grew up with my two older brothers. I was really kind of raised, even though I was very feminine and I loved, you know, fashion and all of that. I was really raised like an additional boy because they just beat me up and I was really just, I, and I had no friends, so I was always with my brothers because they had friends. So I, I would say that my introduction to shame was really early on and that would set off a domino effect of self-sabotage, not feeling enough, and mm. creating ways in which I could cope with that to be able to fill myself up. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter if it was positive or negative. I just knew I how to get my juice. And mm. I would do that through, you know, being bad or getting kicked out of school or, you know, being defiant, always challenging authority. And that got me, you know, that challenging authority um, is such a blessing now mm. because I challenge my ego's authority Aha. in myself. <laughs>
2: That's so but, awesome,
0: <laughs> And I'm glad I learned that lesson. But yeah. as a child, that really got me into a lot of trouble. So mm. I just felt like I, I really was in a lot of pain right. as a kid. I was just in a lot of pain. I didn't know how to process what was going on within me. Mm. And it just manifested in destructive patterns. And I just looked like a bad kid. Yeah. And and I, I don't think there's any such thing, but I was the bad kid that I was really just the, the hurt kid that was afraid mm. of being seen and I- exposing that I was never going to be the jock. I was never going to be the a- academic. I was never going to be all of these things. So what position and role could I fill um, with? Absolute certainty. And mm-hmm. that was the badass. Right. And that was the wild child. So <laughs> I, you know, filled that role really well. And it just caused me, um, uh, it worked until it didn't. And right. then that that point where your pain is so um and, and your coping mechanisms, your default defenses, as I call them in the yeah. book, uh, cause you to either continue down that path or change. And I mm-hmm. knew that I had to change because if not, uh, I, it, without the method and applying the method, and it went meth- unmethodized for many years, I know I would be either in jail, on drugs, mm. um, you know, pregnant with multiple baby daddies, which is n- no problem. But f- the reason why I would have been doing that was because I was living in chaos and fear. Mm, And I just had um, just like the the depths of the destruction that my ego, the lengths it was willing to go was so (laughs) far that there was nothing off the table when it came to what my ego could come up with to defend myself. And it was like, you know, I would defend myself from an eye roll with this disproportionate reaction. And right. my reactivity just caused me so much problems. It was just this cycle where I would be like, okay, I would feel ashamed of myself and I would react in a way that would cause me to feel guilty and then ashamed of myself. And I was always in this like
1: mm. repair
0: attempt to cover up my shame.
1: Mm. Negative feedback loop.
0: Oh, it was it was and you have no idea that you're in it when you're <laughs> yeah. in it. You just know I feel like crap. Yeah. This is not good. I, yes. I feel out of control. There's no sense of of peace and grounding. I just felt like, you know, like a red balloon flapping in mm. the wind. I never knew if I was gonna be blown away. I don't know if I was gonna be here. I it just was um no control. Yes. And my 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 thought of control was really um, as a form of um, fearful-based control. Mm. So if I did have control, it was through force. And I mm. think that really uh, the shift method applying it has really shown me that um, control is not through action and it's through an internal thing of... when things are out of control, I can still control how I'm perceiving this and shift Mm. my perception. And I think that that gave me like, that was the real control. That was the real point of power. Cause I was like, you know, exchanging this um, like false sense of control Mm. that was from my ego. And then when I started to like, you know, explore, I was like, wait, this just feels so much more, it's it's more accessible. Mm. Meaning all the things don't, I don't have to tinker with the external world mm. to get this.
1: Mm. Oh my God. I love it. <clears throat> I just want to move back to what you said at the very beginning that um, you were instilled with the sense of shame right from the beginning. And is that something that you learned? Was that something that maybe was cultural? Like I'm really fascinated about ancestral patterns and how they're Proliferated unconsciously. And that's why I love talking about people's childhood. It's like when we're ingrained with these cultural beliefs and shame um, and guilt. And how do we overcome those? How do we develop the consciousness first to become aware of them and then shift out of them? So was that a do you feel like that was a a cultural ancestral thing that was maybe your mother was passing on unconsciously?
0: It is so fascinating that you're asking me this because nobody's ever asked, but Seriously? it's so important. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like the because, basis of everything. No, I I, I had started. <laughs> so I have a really deep and beautiful connection with my mother. She's mm. like my she's just uh, like I feel like a, I don't know what they call them in Star Wars, but like there is the, you know, the master Jedi's. And then they were their little like,
2: you right. know, a- uh, apprentices. students. Apprentices. Right. Yeah.
0: I feel like an apprentice <laughs> and my mom is just like a, a, a Jedi master. She mm. really has, has done such profound work and we have this deep connection and we can talk about these things. And I remember, you know, having this conversation with my mom about how a child interprets the external world when they are telling their parents how does it absorb to the child? Mm. So let's just say I had an experience um, where somebody made fun of me at school. And if your parent has sh- shame or is you know, uh, sensitive to shame, their reaction will basically, or nine times out of ten, be coming from their default defense. Totally. The way that they handle it. Mm -hmm. So I believe that my mom had been, um, had experienced shame in her childhood. And when I would come home from my experiences at school, I would speak to her about it. And I didn't have the mother that was blowing me off. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have the mother. I had the mother that said, well, let me go kick their ass. Right. You know, (laughs) I had the mom that was like, show me where they live. (laughs) You know, I had a mom that, that had my back so, um, intensely that it Mm. also inadvertently confirmed the truth of that shame.
1: Mm. And I ingested it. Yes. Right.
0: Meaning as, as as if I, I didn't, have someone saying, cause I, I think about it with my children. I have two boys and I, I think that there's a delicate balance with parenting mm. because you don't want to be the parent. That's like, that's not happening and not affirm your child's truth and what they're telling you. Right. But I do think that there's somewhere in the middle that I think works for different families. But as I observe it and as I deal with it with my children, uh, how, how, how would I like to receive their information that I can still hear them, but without confirming that that person is right or that, mm. that, that they should ingest that. Mm. And I think that because we were all, my mom was so young and we were all really growing up together.
1: Right. Yeah. We were
0: growing up <laughs> together. So if I could imagine, um, cause I was talking to my partner, David and he I was like, oh, so how did it go with you if like somebody was made, you were made fun of and you Mm -hmm. told your dad? And he would say, um, like, Turkey, he probably doesn't even know where that is in a map. Right. (laughs) Because they're from Turkey. They're from Izmir, Turkey. And they would say, gobble, 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 gobble. Right. So he never ingested that personally because he was like, do you even know where that is on a map? Like he was able to use his, his brain and his, Mm. like, you know, wherewithal about geography. And that was a defense for him where he was able to uh, defend himself through knowledge. And that, that can cause, you know, a desire to want to be really knowledge, you know, uh, really educated to the point where you, you know, feel invisible, Mm. invincible. Um, there are many patterns and many paths that that can manifest. But mm. I think that even just being aware that that is a part of our, our connected journey. My mom and I chose each other to yes. reincarnate on this earth, to be together. And, and all of my family members. I just uh, recently lost um, my father. And, uh, you know, one of the things that gives me so much peace is knowing that I chose him. He chose me. All of this that we chose was to evolve and to grow. And there was nothing that we signed up for before we came to these bodies that was not designed for our fundamental evolution and our family's evolution. Totally. So when I think of my mother and I think, oh, she had this um, experience of shame. And then we. Um, adopted some of those default defenses. Mm. And then through awareness and her doing her own work, we were able to kind of deconstruct that to be like, wait, this can stop with us.
2: Mm. So this powerful. pattern
0: can stop with us. Meaning yes. you were the first person and you were the most courageous. My mom was the most courageous because she didn't have the skills. Right. I had a mother that really did the work to be able to unpack that and really figure out what was that within me. So we have the ability to come here and she had this, it was brought down to me and we collectively get to deconstruct that. Mm. And that's so powerful. And I feel so lucky that I get to have that as, um, you know, uh, just a partner to do that work with because it's deep. It's really like the fundamentals of how you operate.
1: Mm. Totally, totally, and I think what you're talking uh, about—the power to break those ancestral lines through our own awareness and consciousness—is so powerful and so needed. And uh, a a lot of people are waking up to that fact now. But I wanted to ask you—we were sort of talking about the negative feedback loop that you were in of you know challenging authority and externalizing um, that shame and um, as kind of a survival mechanism. So I'm really curious when did you shift from the realization that, okay, I can't control my external world. This is an internal thing. And what were the circumstances that brought you to that awareness? Cause I think it's really important for people who might be in that situation to have some practical, uh, examples of other people have broken out of it.
0: I, so I, people ask me this all the time and it's not one moment. Mm. And I don't want people to think that there's this one moment where you're like, okay, my life has changed. right? Or, oh, there's this, I can remember pivotal moments, but really it's like, it, it gives you a glimpse of what is out mm. there. And it's your job to seek and uh, seek more glimpses of that and right. invest your time in uncovering that. And mm. I believe that everyday experiences are are opportunities for that ability because right. we're getting annoyed. And anytime a stir in the shift stir method is anytime we deviate into a negative thought pattern
2: mm. where
0: we feel as though, um, you know, I call it the eye of the stir, the part of me that identifies with this narrative that is coming in through my ego's narration.
2: Mm. The
0: I, the me, you hurt me, you offended me, you didn't consider me like Mm -hmm. the I, Mm. the part of me that identifies with self as, as a point of taking offense, being upset, getting rattled. Um, but I do think that there are times and I am, um, not someone that is able to just, um, Think about things when there's not crisis. I am like I dive in when there's crisis, (laughs) and then I and and then I hibernate, and then I apply.
1: Right. (laughs)
0: Crisis hibernation apply. Awesome. And so I think that um, all of those times, uh, whenever I was in pain, whenever something, when my destructive default defenses caused chaos. I would have an opportunity to look back and see what my part was. Mm. I think that that's one of the most powerful things my mom would say when we would be working through stuff and I would be so offended and I would lay out my material of why this person sucks. And um, my mom, and when we would get off the phone, she would say something that was the most, Infuriating yet liberating thing and it was like this, you know paradox because I'd be infuriated that she didn't get me But then really liberated because if it If it wasn't this then maybe I I had a chance to change right she would say Tina, I know you think this is about Your boss. I right. know you think this is about Sarah. I know you think this is about your dad but I promise you, this is about you. Mm, Yes. And that invitation to return to self was often like refused. Cause I'm like, Mm. how could this be about, how could, how could them being an asshole have anything to do with me? Totally. It felt so separate, but Mm. really that invitation was to, to recognize and to look into what part of me And what narratives are ignited when I'm encountered with this stimulation from the Mm. external world? What what goes on within me that that I'm so uncomfortable with? There is a belief system that is getting pushed on by this experience that is inviting me to look. When I'm in pain and I'm uncomfortable, it's an invitation for me to return back to sender, meaning... Mm. Go back into your unit and sift and sift through what is really going on. Wait, mm. why is it that something so mundane, something so an, an eye roll could make me furious? <laughs> Well, how is that possible? And I was so sensitive. I would go from stir to stir. Like I couldn't walk down the street without being irritated and mm. uh, you know, knocked off course. Right. And that's really my um why I do this work is because I was so annoyed with constantly getting knocked off course. Mm. I saw everyone outside And I remember looking at people and being like, how do you get through life? Because I'm just debilitated every two seconds. And you seem to be able to do businesses and have great Mm. relationships. And I'm just trying not to to burn down the house, like emotionally. (laughs) And I was like, how are these people able to do this? They have to think something different. They have to have a different way Because the amount of time that my stirs would take, I could be in them for a month of just that chaotic thinking and that victimization and that just hurt and irritability and agitation. So um, there really isn't a point in which, like, there have been times that I I knew I had to get my shit together. Like, I almost lost a, a modeling contract. Um, I almost you you know was always sabotaging relationships, friendships, uh, romantic relationships, um, anything. I was always choosing, um, a just you know a negative path. I was always viewing things as people were against me, and I was so sensitive because I, I felt like I was like a radar detector or like a like I was always surveying to see if somebody could was trying to injure me by shaming me because i did not want that pain so i was very quick to react because i was using my arsenal of tools that i had set up to defend myself against these possible injuries to my ego you know i would rip out my verbal knife and i would cut you you know we really spent so much time sharpening those skills sharpening those weapons that I was like a little ninja. I had oh it all God. there and 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 really realizing that I could lay it down my sword mm. and still be powerful, that the ultimate strength was laying down my sword and surrendering. Mm that's when i felt like i became like a, a a master within myself there was i didn't even if there was you know chaos around it was like i don't need my sword mm. i don't need that because i i my power could not be taken away from me you could try to hurt me but i don't need to constantly be drawing a weapon to mm. protect myself emotionally i just i, ha, I i'm strong enough within myself
1: mm. So beautifully articulated, and I'm getting chills just listening to you talk about it because it uh, resonates deeply with me and my journey. And I've found shifting that perspective from external to internal takes a level of first responsibility. You have to take responsibility for your own reactions like you're talking about, but also a level of self-trust. Um, and a lot, the reason uh, the people, a lot of people don't do it is because it is painful. And even if you're aware of your pain, our natural instinct is to move away from pain. And for me, alcohol was my escape. I was just like, I, that is too painful. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to look at it. I'm just going to pretend it's not there and numb myself. And I think that's what a lot of people end up doing. But like you said, once you have the courage to sort of shift and look towards your pain, and, and shed the light uh, of your awareness and your compassion on it, then it has an opportunity to come to the surface and heal. And I think that's exactly what we're talking about. Laying down your sword, surrendering, realize that the fight isn't out there. It's It's all of your power it's- is inside oh. of you.
0: It is oh, so, and it's, <laughs> and, and it's a catchy phrase like "Oh, your power is inside of you," and yeah. all of these phrases dwarf the significance of the actual power. Those words mm. could not even capture totally. the energy that is truly behind them. They become mm. popular and flippant, but they're really so true. Like the mm. the, the feeling that one has when they're sitting in their truth and their power that has been cultivated by choice and through suffering mm. that creates this this grit and this like this thing it's it's a level of conviction yes. it's like and you be, i become like evangelical in a way about this method because i'm like no i i know that it works because it saved me If yeah. if i didn't I just know where I would be and it's nowhere good. I just, I know that that changed. And I I think just being able to notice how often we use these, um, you know, we, we use things to comfort ourselves.
1: Totally. And distract and
0: distract all of it. We just use these things that will comfort Mm. those thoughts. Mm. So that can be, I, and I believe I, I call it the ego epidemic because I think it's the most pervasive and erosive silent killer of our time.
1: Totally. And responsible for most of the problems and atrocities we see in the world.
0: Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm like, oh my gosh, road rage. All of like you don't think that the the basis of you know, the opioid epidemic and yeah. alcoholism is not wanting to quiet the ego's narrative, totally. narration of you. Yeah. It's just wanting to soften that. Yeah. And that's, you know, and it's when we offload pain.
2: Mm-hmm. We Externalize want to push it,
0: it away. Yeah. We want to get this off of me. So yeah. if I am feeling and I'm stirring and I want to offload that, I could offload that on, you know, somebody I could hurt someone physically. I could offload it by, you know, drinking a bottle of wine. I could Mm -hmm. offload it by, you know, constantly getting into the same relationship and never, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know, going from one person to the next and never really experiencing the truth of it. Yeah. And I think we are in a culture that is, Designed to make us think and believe that those things are actually fulfilling. Mm. That they will give you, and and there's a temporary, like there is a momentary sense of relief, meaning when you have that drink, you will actually access that relief. Yeah. It's just not sustainable. Totally. And I think that that's really the crux of this is the sustainability of it. Can I repeatedly do this and expect the same results? Mm. It's like, okay, well, if I had one glass of wine tonight, you know, over the next three months, I'll probably need two to get to that same level of numb. So that continues. And that, you know, is, is a cycle that you, you know, you're aware of and that can be so destructive and, and, really um setting up systems and being aware of systems that are sustainable mm. that i could do this and access this thing and it's not going to get any less powerful or more powerful it's like right. um the shift server method i always say um it's foolproof yet my application of it is flawed okay M- meaning if I access it, it, it's as powerful and as potent as it's ever going to be when I'm applying it. Right. And if I don't, I don't, it doesn't change its form. It doesn't right. change its power. So I don't need to have like two shifter method books to be okay. It's like these principles are the things that guide me and I don't need anymore. It's mm. there. And it's there when I want to access it. Mm. And I think choosing systems that are sustainable, that I can get relief from. And this is, as you know, not for the faint of heart.
2: Mm, We're (laughs)
0: hardwired to reject that and run from self. And society and everything is giving us copious amounts of ways to escape. You can't walk down the street without being advertised to directly uh, to, to escape your Mm. reality or Mm -hmm. to have a glimpse of you can get this like little taste of instantaneous relief. Mm. But that's not sustainable relief. And I think that many people are getting to that point where they're they're like, wait, this isn't actually comforting me. It gives me a short little burst or a short little sensation, but it's not really giving me what i'm really searching for mm. and i think that we are all now that we're you know going through this global pandemic we're kind of sensing that
1: yeah people are waking we're up at
0: home with self and yeah. <laughs> there's an awakening going on you're either going to go this way or that way and i think and that's what um when i when i go in the you know a fearful mode and i'm like what does this mean when is this ever going to i'm like no, but i'm also inspired by all the people that have the time and the space to mm. ask those big questions yes. so if i need to stay home for a little bit for the collective to have that including myself because mm-hmm. it's not like your work is done and you're like you get to this point it's like no, no no i'm having to explore myself as well so if that is happening on a collective basis and that there's um even a small fraction of people that are that are getting a glimpse of that it's really an inside job mm. that makes me so happy mm. and so like i'm like yeah there's other people on this you know path there's other people you know illuminating the way and way showing and and um sharing their story mm. That's really exciting to me. So that that softens the blow of all this going on, the chaos. I'm like, wait, how can I make sense of this? Yes. I can make sense of this by saying, like, if, if, if me and my family are all connected, then if we're all connected, there is something there that um, is not going to be talking about on, you know, CNN. Right. You're not going to be talking about the evolution of your soul on mainstream <laughs> media. But when I look below all of the craziness and the chaos, I'm like, wait, there's, there's a lot going on for people to have the opportunity to look differently. Mm. And they, you know, uh, uh, ingested so many things that haven't worked. That I think people are starting to, to get that. And I'm excited for them because mm. I'm excited for the peace that they potentially can have and access. And that's what I want for anyone. I want that for myself. Mm. I want to remind myself that I have peace or that I have access to that peace. Mm. And uh, that makes me happy.
1: M- uh, me too. And I totally agree with you. This um, is an opportunity, a global opportunity for everybody to be still, to take stock to um, reflect, to inquire, uh, and to really come to something that is meaningful, to question everything that they've been taught, all the beliefs they're operating from. uh, And the people that are doing that, I honor each and every one of you because it is challenging. It is painful. It does suck a lot. But what's happening, I think, and I agree with you, we're reaching a tipping point of people waking up And the more we can, and that's a primary reason I started this podcast is to to share your message, people like you, and to put it out there in the world that there are real people going through real struggles. And here are some practical steps that you can take to facilitate your own journey. Um, One of the things you mentioned earlier, though, is that about the culture and the system not supporting that journey. And in fact, it's the antithesis. It celebrates ego identity and distraction. And I worked in advertising for a long time. That entire industry is is based around reinforcing your, um, not enoughness, right? And like you, yep. you, they're selling to you based on your not enoughness. And so it's a systemic cultural issue as well, which it makes it even more difficult to escape because you're caught in that sort of unconscious programming cycle. So it's, it's, a uh, um, a momentum that is difficult to to go against and a, another reason why people don't do the work. Um, so again, I applaud you and everybody who has the courage to to do this work because it is so powerful. And I am super hopeful as well. Because each yes. one of us that does this work then contributes to a collective consciousness of awakening that will fundamentally change the planet. And I f- I feel like we've reached that tipping point and maybe been past it. Now it's just going to play out. So that's yeah. how I keep and- my- <laughs> I
0: I completely agree. And when you say like I applaud, I always think of it like when I think of my samurai and I'm laying down my sword, I truly on a soul level bow Mm. to the men and women that are courageous, courageous enough to do the work and to look at themselves. I bow in in (laughs) honor and I'm like. I could not be. I get high on you Mm. doing that because I know that you have a you know a glimpse of peace. And anyone that's brave enough to do that, I'm like, uh, you know, it's it's braver than running into a a burning building because
2: it's (laughs) yourself.
0: I'm like, that is not that. I really, I admire that, and I'm like, oh, Mm. I. and that collective yes. um, if this is going to happen how can I wrap my head around this if this is where we are right now okay. and I do not resist the reality of the circumstances how is it that I can shift my perception to be able to draw peace from this situation
2: mm, totally
0: um, how can I do that wait I choose to believe that this is a you know for our evolution and it's yes. in, an invitation for that. Totally. And that's when I can like, you know, quiet my mind where I'm like, wait, no, 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 no. I know you think this, and you're hearing all the chaos on the surface, but what you know to be true TM is, you know that we're all getting situations, people, circumstances that will help us evolve. Mm. How could you have seen this in your entire past? And then not know that this is happening for us right now. Yes. So when I view it through that lens, it allows me to have more peace with how I'm observing media, how I'm observing Mm. a product, because I'm like, yeah, I get that you want that, you know, to sell me that bag, but ah, it's, it may be a different exchange. I may still Mm. buy the bag, but it's from a different place. Mm. I I, I posted something yesterday and I, I wish I, um, I am so envious in the sweetest way of great writers, because <laughs> if I could just pour out what I have inside, but I was trying to play with this idea about, cause I love fashion and I always have as a child, but I was thinking of the paradox about fashion or fashion. And I was trying to explain, um, how you're trying to define the undefinable. Mm. Like you're trying to define, meaning, like, oh, I, I wear these types of clothes, or I like this t- type of thing. Right. Or I'm trying <laughs> to give myself definition of oh, this is fashion, or this is a part of my identity, but it really could not even for a second define you right but it somehow does and then right. it can and it can be used as a tool but when we are identified with the items mm. as our self versus a way of defining I, I i was interested in that paradox and i mm. think that there's there are two actions that could be um the intention and motivation can be different I think that our job is to do the inventory and sifting to be able to see where we're coming from to get that, to want that, to acquire that, to have the desire. Do you want the jobs so you can tell your parents that you're going to medical school? Do you want that bag because all of your friends have it? Do you want that marriage because you're, you know, 38 and all of your friends are married Uh, do you want that you know two sets of kids because you're 25 and you you know need to make that mark do you want that vacation home so you can be on the same street that your parents decided for you when you were a kid that you Mm. had to live on that street because all of those things are fine in in quote-unquote, reality, meaning it's okay to have a short house, but the intention and the goal of what Mm. you're seeking within those things are so big. And I I think it's our job to really be able to be selfish enough to serve ourselves enough to do the work to see if it will actually give us what we're looking for. Mm. To really do that, to see if it will even give us what are we actually looking for through that thing?
1: Oh, my God. Totally. Will
0: that give me
2: that?
1: You're right. No,
0: that's not going <laughs> to give me that. But really, that's that's that part of self-care, I think, is, wait, I, I have to do that work to see if that will actually give me and really be aware enough to see what am i trying to get from this Mm. it's not the house it's not the shoes what is it that i think i will feel or encompass or embody by that thing or circumstance Mm. and when we're honest enough to own it own what it actually is not pretend (laughs) not say it's this no really own it (sighs) even if it's dark it's like no, no no i want that because I want to feel this or w- right. whatever it is. Um, that is a place of um, just actualization that causes so so much of a ripple effect in your life that is it's magnetic when you have that.
1: Mm. Yes, I love that. And what's coming up for me is, and this is an inquiry I invite my clients to to go into, is where are you creating from? Not necessarily what you're creating, but where are you creating from? And you described it um, as you could be creating uh, from an ego place, which is a place of lack where you're trying to identify, you're trying to make up for something, or from a place of wholeness. And when you sort of distinguish between those two and you continue to do the work to come back to wholeness, to your truest essence at the deepest level, and then you create from there, it's okay to want the house or the car because the motivation is coming from a place of wholeness, not from lack or scarcity. Amen.
2: Amen. (laughs) Amen.
0: It's you bottom-minded. it. is a beautiful way of saying it because it really is true because it can, on the surface, it can look the mm. same way but totally. where did it come from exactly where did that what will actually give you the thing that you're looking for yeah because a lot of the time we're so uh, we're so trained in thinking that those things will actually give us the big things but mm. they don't mm. they don't so we're in a uh, you know a consumption yep. society of going from one thing to the next because we're just trained to consume to mm. get that because there is an exchange you do get something out of it originally yeah. right and that's what that's like the original hit of the drug
2: yeah but you it's know that fleeting.
0: it's fleeting yeah. so you're just like consuming 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 and you're like wait this doesn't this doesn't fill me up
1: we are in extraordinary times and facing unprecedented challenges Never in history have we been so connected, yet so divided at the same time. Now, more than ever, there is a fundamental need and desire for us to come together in community, to experience real and authentic connection with our fellow human beings, to be part of a tribe of people who are doing the challenging work of making sense of the world and their place in it to have a safe space to be vulnerable and to get the support we so desperately seek as we navigate the complexity of modern life. This is why I have created The Being Community, an exclusive online community for people who are fed up with the toxicity, conflict, and censorship that is all pervasive on traditional social media sites. This community is for people who are doing the work of awakening, of personal development, of healing, of peeling back the layers of conditioning and unconscious programming. This is for the people who have the courage to say yes to life and to becoming the best version of themselves for their own benefit and the benefit of all. This private group will have all the functionality and benefits of a traditional Facebook group, but will also offer live group coaching calls, access to exclusive content and trainings, plus personalized guided meditations, and behind-the-scenes looks at the creation of the Being Podcast. At its essence, the Being community is about coming together to co-create the future that we all want to live in. If this resonates with you, go immediately to being-podcast.com slash community to sign up. And as a bonus, I'm offering a free 30-day trial right now. So it'll cost you nothing to come experience the magic of this intentional container. Again, go to being-podcast.com slash community right now for more information and testimonials. And I'll see you on the inside. Now, back to the show. Yeah. Well, again, what's coming up for me is it's a um, operating from a place of being. So you know, most people um, cannot sit by themselves. They can't sit in stillness because it's too uncomfortable. You know, they can't, and so that. But that's where you, the only way to know yourself is by, uh, and meditation is a big tool that I use is by um, sitting in stillness, absent of any external influence. Right, And that's where you can come to know that essence. And then when you are out in the world, you can witness your reactivity or your motivations, excuse me, and you can become aware of them. And then with that newfound awareness, like, oh, there's that reaction. There's that motivation that comes from lack or from shame or from victim or from ego. And you can see it before you act on it. Right, And yes. that's, again, where all of your power is that gap between a stimulus where you used to be, you know, the eye roll would throw you off and you'd be a- off on a tirade. Now he's like, okay, there's that same stimulus, but I have cultivated enough um, self-awareness to consciously choose something else.
0: That's the sit in the shift star method.
1: Okay. So that's maybe this is a good time to sort of go through yes. the, the method. Yes. Did you unpack that's- it or just –
0: yeah, that's the um, so the star is the inciting incident, whatever it is, the email, right. the guy didn't text you back, the boss, that's whatever the whatever it is, your, your mother in law, your, you know, your kids aren't doing this or whatever it is that causes you to deviate. In right. some negative way, you're just, you were on this one course and then within a second it changed. Right. And it could be like a millisecond. It's like <laughs> all of a sudden you can feel your body and, and your body goes through changes either physiologically or emotionally that are indicators that you've shifted into a negative thought pattern when mm. you're in a stir.
1: What are some so of those body, physical indicators?
0: So, um, your, uh, here, I'll actually show you. There, biting your nails. <laughs> <laughs> I have like half of little pinky finger. I've just been working through it, stirring. I, I have a lot going on. As I said, my father recently passed, and
1: mm, it, so sorry um, to hear that.
0: Thank you. I, it just has brought up so many things to the surface. Of mm. uh, there's just so much. Um, it was a fund. He's fundamental in our life, so it's like um, hard to kind of sift through all of the repercussions and consequences of of his passing Mm. meaning you know all of those things cause like micro stirs and Mm. and they collect throughout the day and you're like we like oh i i i go to my nails to relieve that i offload on my nails right i uh, i'll sweat I will, um, heart palpitations. Right. It could feel like, a uh, anxiety. It could manifest physically. It could be a detachment. Uh, so many people have those early indicators that, that something has gone arise yes. They won't make eye contact. They'll, um, you know, look down. They'll, you know, become a, a people pleaser. Mm. We have all of these things that we do as indicators that we've deviated. So the first step is to recognize you've deviated in some way, either (laughs) internally or externally. Which is a really hard
1: step to actually become aware of your own reactions.
0: (laughs) Because most of the time for me, it was... I always got to the end where I was cleaning up after my reactive behavior before I even knew I had a star. I was like, wait, this was all one thing. I could not separate that there were spaces. And I think that what you said earlier about cultivating the space in between the stimulus. And that really has been where my, if if I could give you the (laughs) world, myself, anyone listening, the best advice that I give to myself and others is the power and potency and uh, transformative power of the sit. If you mm. want to change your life, it is being observant of the sit. And what I mean by the sit is, is it's not an, it's not a physical posture. It's not a meditative posture where you're going to go and sit and like be with self. It is when you feel like you want to write that email when you want to you know uh, drive after that guy that just cut you off on the expressway Mm -hmm. when you want to um down that bottle of of wine because you do not want to feel what this stir is making Mm -hmm. you feel you want to be anywhere but here right That reactiveness when you sit in communion with the thoughts and emotions and feelings, you're allowed, you allow yourself to actually feel without having to do anything. You don't have to know the solution. You don't need your only job is to surrender to the sick.
1: I think you just described
0: yourself the promise. Totally. Sorry.
1: I think you just described most people's nightmare though, sitting with their own uncomfortable emotions. Oh, it is. It's awful.
0: It is is awful. And sometimes I can only sit for two minutes. Right. And I'm like, oh, fuck this. I'm not doing this. Like this is for somebody else or I'll sit on something else or I'll sit later. You know? but you're
1: but you're totally right that's where all of your power is if you allow whatever emotion that's coming up just to be there because i i uh describe it as your emotional guidance system those emotions are yes. there for a reason yes. and if you ignore them you push them away you numb them you're missing the wisdom that they're there to impart in the first place amen Right. (laughs) But that doesn't mean it's easy. Like I I still get fits of anxiety and I'm like, fuck. And I I just I let myself allow myself to sit in it. And the beautiful thing is it tends to dissipate more quickly if you give it the light of your awareness. Right. And so even if it's incredibly painful, you take solace in the fact that it's temporary right? And it is going to pass. But the more I found, the more I pushed it away, the more I tried to numb it with alcohol, the stronger it got because I wasn't listening to my own body's wisdom. right? And so that's where you get into trouble. If you continue pushing it away, you need more alcohol, you need more distraction, you need more whatever it is in order to feel that um, sense of relief.
0: Similar to a craving, right? meaning a craving can only last for so long. It's allowing yourself to observe the craving because we think that we can't, uh, endure the craving. Right. And, and it really, a craving has a gestation. It yeah. like, it's not full on forever <laughs> and ever. It's like, no, no, no. If we observe the craving, if we observe our desire to offload and get out of ourselves and, and make it a point, like, um, for, for me, I do like sit mantras where I'll say, um, you know on the other side of the sit there are gifts what are you Mm. trying to show me i will i will not say no to this Mm. i will not say no to what you are trying to show me
2: right
0: and 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 also i think people think that the sit is giving someone uh free reign to to be whatever it is like to abuse them or no Mm. no the sit is allowing yourself to see what comes up within you in interp- interpreting that stimulus, what totally. they're doing. Totally. And that's the point of power. It redirects it from them to you. And the SIT is really designed for you to create space and awareness in between that so you can start doing the work to uncover. What is there, and mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, when we sit and do not react, we realize that our ego was giving us a false narrative, and we're so thankful that we mm-hmm. did not react. Yes. Because when I say on the other side of the sit, there are gifts, I've seen it hundreds of times where I have, you know got I've experienced a stir then I've been sitting and I'm like oh I don't want to sit they're mean they're this (laughs) they're that and then I allow that craving that desire to offload it by reacting to reduce and somehow when I do not react I swear it somehow changes what is on the outside
1: Mm, totally
0: meaning the energy behind it. It, right. it 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 changes my interpretation of it it lessens the stronghold on me when i allow it to run through me instead of trying mm. to skip over it
1: totally,
0: totally. and that's really a, when i when i can look back and think of all of the times where or that i wanted to react and i didn't i'm so embarrassed by what my brain thought and was instructing me to do because I was like, girl, you were so off on that. Nobody was trying to get you. Nobody was trying to hurt you. But I interpreted that information. It hit on my own, you know, system. Mm. And it caused me to use my default defenses, pick up my swords, pick up my shield, my backpack and go in guns blazing but my job was to be able to just sit and soften and surrender mm. to whatever it is that I was supposed to see. Yes. And I think I got selfish to the point in the best way where I was like, we, I'm not missing this. Right. I'm not missing this opportunity. Like, this is so momentous that if it's this big with energy, it's also equally as big for transformation.
1: Totally. Totally. And I think a a trap that people fall into is they start to judge, they're sitting in their um, difficult emotions and they start to judge themselves. They're like, why am I still in this? Like why? Like they, they go into blame and to victim and to shame. And I think it's so important to mention that in those instances, compassion and self-love are so important because more often than not, the initial, Wound is a survival mechanism. It is something that was installed in you typically in childhood to keep you safe yes. from uh, perceived harm. And so giving the light of your awareness and your appreciation and your compassion to that part of you, because it is a part of you, even if it's not serving you anymore. And, and yes. as soon as you do that, then it's an opportunity for it to heal or be released or to integrate. Right, and yes. that's And that's what healing is, exactly what it yeah. is.
0: Yes, so there's a part in the book called, and this is like my the crux of it, I, I would say, like this is one of my favorite ones, uh, is Owning Your Awful.
1: Owning Your Awful, exactly. Owning yes. Your Awful.
0: It's like, <laughs> and when I mean uh, owning your awful, I think people want to change that. I've heard other people being like, why would you say it's awful? Why? Like, And there's this society that has you know been cultivated where this it's this toxic positivity yes. that we have to say that everything is that it's like no I, I want to when i say awful it's the value i have subscribed to it mm. it's the value that i i consider this not something i want to share mm. i consider this something Awful or bad, or something to hide or be ashamed of. I don't like that I do that. Mm. So it's not that it's actually awful, but it's identifying that there's a negative thought pattern that goes inside my mind that normally debilitates me and I try to hide it. And when I try to hide it, I disconnect with my humanity. Oh. And when I disconnect from my humanity, I disconnect with everyone. And when <laughs> I do not integrate those parts of me that are awful, I can never be whole, mm. ever. Ever. Because they're fragmented parts of myself that are outside of me that I've deemed unworthy or uncool or whatever. And when I don't integrate them, there are parts of me outside. So, how can I truly be whole? By owning 365 TM. Mm all of it, the, the 50 shades of TM, the, the naughty one, the confident one, the insecure one, the sassy one, the aggressive one, all of those parts of me that we all have the ability to be at different times and spaces and through different experiences when we own our jealous side, when we own our, uh, our destructive side and say, oh, there I go again oh, there's my mind showing me that there's something like, oh, I always do that when I'm afraid Mm. and owning that and being able to share with other people being like, oh yeah, when I, when this happens, I normally have this narration and owning that and connecting and everyone I not everyone, but I think our society has been taught and indoctrinated in this way of only showing and only exploring and only, um, you know, giving validation to the, the beauty or the mm-hmm. sweet things, but really delving into the truth of what actually happens mm. and, and, and how often we are same, same, but different. Yep. you may deviate with this and I deviate with that but at the end of the day it all comes down to we were afraid and we're trying to protect ourselves totally and when we share that and are in communion with other people that are able to own the darker aspects of self that's where we're like uh, you know I, i'm in a community of other people that are uh, that are seeking and mm. are brave enough to own it totally and not try to douse it with, oh, it's okay that you're this, or, oh, it's, it's no, 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 I, it's no, it's, it is what it is. And it, you don't have to, you can have compassion for it Mm. and have, but no, that that, there is a part of me that doesn't like the fact that I want to hurt people when they cut me off on the road. I can own that. (laughs) I don't have to pretend that that part of me does not happen.
1: Yeah. But in I'll owning try. it, there's also an opportunity to to evaluate whether it's serving you or not, and be able to shift it into something else, yeah. right? Yeah. And and like you were talking about earlier, it's worthy. Uh, it's worth investigating our motivations because often there's many motivations, and uh, often a handful of them are conscious. You know, and so we have to become aware of all of our motivations and the unconscious ones that are, are maybe coming from a place of lack of wholeness or not enoughness or blame or victim. And those responses, like okay, I do respond jealousy, uh, jealouslessly. <laughs> That's a difficult word to say in this situation. Um, where, what is that motivation? Why is that reaction there, right? And so, yes. so, owning it is also an opportunity to shift it if need be, or just let it be.
0: And owning and being like, yeah, yeah, I get jealous. Like yeah. it takes the buzz out of it. It's yeah, like, totally. yeah, it's like you, like you can it catch me being it. jealous Yeah, and it's okay. I'm not rocked by that. Right. I'm not, it's like, no, no, no. That's a part of me. I don't have to only give you the, the like pleasurable, sweet, kind, right. um, uh, you know, uh, palatable versions right. of me, because when I don't share that with others. I believe that those things should be hidden and that's when I can't have wholeness because, and and I don't believe that everyone is deserving of all of your stuff, but Mm. I believe to to create deep connect, we're hardwired for connection. We need to be seen. And when we share our stories, we share everyone's collective story. Mm. And when we have a culture that is owning that and, and, and really extrapolating and giving, breath and consciousness meaning sharing that it, it allows us to collectively grow because mm. you're like oh my god that happens to me too
2: yeah exactly oh my god
0: i do that oh oh my gosh i used to do that and you're able to reflect on mm. well, what changed that you don't have to do that anymore what was your realization that that used to be what mm. changed so you can impart that on someone else and be like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that that used to cripple me. But now it's, I, I think it, of it as like um, things becoming benign. Right. It was like before they were, you know, just catastrophic and caused like chaos in your <laughs> body. And then now something is benign. It doesn't mean anything. It's like, yep, I'm a, you know, I, I'm a raging bitch. It's like, <laughs> you don't want to be, but owning that it's like, yeah, yeah, it can be. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That is okay. And it not knowing in what situations am I that? And and am I comfortable with my um, inventory about what's going on within that story? And I think that that makes you more, um, you're less susceptible to other people's um, ideas about you when you mm. own it. Totally. You're like, okay, you, you think I'm this or that? It's like, you're right. I am.
1: <laughs>
0: yes. I, and, and that becomes more of a, like, you're just more powerful within yourself. Cause you're like, I don't need to resist my humanity.
2: You're right,
0: I don't have to resist that or pretend that that's not there. It's when I honor those parts of myself and have compassion for mm. the part of me that wants to control people, compassion for the part of me that wants to, you know, drink or do drugs or, uh, you know, gamble or overeat or whatever it is that I do, mm-hmm. like having compassion, what is it that I'm soothing when I'm doing that? Yeah, I do do that. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. But that's I'm, okay. in. I'm involved in exploring why, mm-hmm. but I don't have to feel bad while I'm exploring. I can <laughs> just own it.
1: Totally. <laughs>
0: It's
2: just
1: like, that's where I'm at. this, yeah. is, this is it. This Beautiful, is it. Beautifully articulated, Tina Marie. Um, and, and what's coming up for me is what we are talking about earlier on how this is sort of a cultural-wide issue where, um, you know, the social fabric, the social currency, especially in the West, is just this superficial likability. Like our engagement with most people in our lives is so superficial that we're just communicating to get whatever I need from you, whether that be a business deal or money or sex or love or whatever it is that I want from you. It's a very superficial interaction. And so our connection on a day-to-day basis is is incredibly shallow. And so we're missing this fundamental connection with other human beings because we don't feel safe enough to be ourselves fully. We don't, and that's a primary reason why I started this podcast in order to have these conversations that are raw, authentic, vulnerable, so other people can say, "Oh my God, Tina Marie's story is so similar to mine," and I didn't realize I was doing this. Now I see it. There's an opportunity for them to own it and to change. And so, yeah,
0: and to even recognize it—the power of just recognition. Yeah, of being able. And I think that people have these um ideas and facades of who they are and when we when we cage ourselves by not sharing those things mm. we actually lose our our sense of self yeah meaning we we disconnect and we don't allow ourselves to be sh- seen and also to be uh loved we yep. like block out our true essence of being loved for what we actually are Mm. what we actually are and i think that there's opportunities no matter what the circumstance no matter what business you are to infuse that and i do like say i'll have a um an opportunity uh, somebody will send me a product and it'll be you know a fashion thing i love fashion but Mm. that does not light me up in a way like i don't (laughs) care to tell someone where my jeans are from Right. But I'm happy to talk about the Shifster method and how my fashion flows through that and right. what I've seen through that. But I cannot just, you know, it, it, it's that's a short fuse. Like somebody's willing to pay me for that, but that doesn't give my true, like it has to be, there has to be that duality for me to mm-hmm. feel like it's worth it. Mm hmm. It's, it's a value, meaning Mm -hmm. it's a valuable, it's giving me nourishment and it's also going to provide someone else value. It's like, it's, it can't just be fashion. It can't just be that it has to have this duality because that's what makes it valuable Mm. to me. It makes it valuable, meaning it's, it's fun to know the story. Like I, I, you know, and I say this with, um, I hope that people can understand this, but I, in, in my current lifestyle, I could walk into any store and buy, you know, any fashion item that I want.
2: Mm.
0: And it is so boring. <laughs> it is so boring because there is no texture. There's no feeling, there's no story. So for me, I'm on Etsy 24 seven. And my girlfriends are like, why don't you just like go to Bergdorf or what? And I'm like, it doesn't give me that charge. I need to have something else. And that's the value subscribed to me. No, somebody else could be like the value is being able to buy the latest Chanel thing. I can do that, but that doesn't fill me up right that doesn't excite me what excites me is like okay i got this from this you know 85 year old woman that was you know had these robe collections and i i i could find that and i source that that's what gave me that that burst that Mm. that that real like excitement Mm. It doesn't excite me to go into a store and just buy it. It's easy. It's way more exciting for me to find a way to be able to um, have fashion in my life in a way that is not so
1: easy. Right.
0: Anybody can look good going in and saying to a personal shopper, you know, buy me all these five things that are trendy. But there's something so valuable and so cool about something reimagined and not so expected and not mm. so um it's like no, no no i subscribe the value of this being beautiful mm. not someone else because somebody else wore it yeah i was i was at a, a antique store the other day and there was this was a stir i saw <laughs> this little like vessel and it said beautiful handmade vessel and i remember looking at the tag and saying don't tell me it's beautiful. Like, don't tell me it's beautiful. I'll tell you if it's beautiful. It was like direct directly marketed for me to observe that beautifully. And I was right. like, "Wait. No, no, no. That's my value judgment." And right. I think that where we get stronger in our ability to see what is actually valuable to us. It's not a currency. It's not how much something costs, but the value that it brings to you. Mm. Meaning does it give you excitement? Does it make you happy? Did you have whatever that is? Um, getting clear on what gives you that
2: mm.
0: genuinely. Yep. Not because your ego is satisfied that you could afford the $5,000 purse or the whatever. What is it that really gives it value? Mm. Is it the hunt? Is it the, cause you saw it on somebody on Instagram. Is it thick? Like, What is the value and subscribing or prescribing your own value on something is a point of power.
2: Mm. And when you
0: have the ability to do that for yourself, you're like, no, this is of value. My painting, random. I don't paint, but I paint. That's so (laughs) valuable to me. There's no value in the paint, but it's so, you know, I don't paint. For the painting, I paint to paint. Mm. And and having that, that's my reward. That's the value. And I think that when we start doing these things of what we want to offload or what we want to um, explore, really looking into what gives something value mm. and what am I really looking for? What really actually makes me happy? And if it's from the ego, explore that. Mm. What is it that my ego is so happy and rejoiced by when I can buy that house or do that thing or whatever? What, what is it seeking? Mm. Cause ultimately it doesn't normally get you there.
1: Right. I think fundamental to everything you're talking about is that sense of wholeness and coming from and creating from and operating from that sense of wholeness. And it takes, uh, effort and it takes responsibility and it takes self-trust and it takes practice to continue coming back to that place of wholeness and operating from there and and being aware when you do drop into stories or ego or reactivity and and, and like you said earlier this this work never ends it it just goes on and on which is exciting but you know just realizing that uh, you will continue to peel back the layers for your entire life it it doesn't end but it's so rewarding this work it's- so
0: I wouldn't trade it for a thing. Me neither.
1: It's been really difficult and painful, but I wouldn't trade it for anything either. <laughs>
0: wouldn't trade it. I love that. It's it's, it's um what I value most.
1: You're right. And Me too. Really,
0: truly, really is is this is this journey and yeah. my ability to either cause or cause myself pain or drop into peace, and totally. I have the access to that point, and that point of power is I have the ability. I, it's just my choosing mm. and w- when I'm suffering, it's, I, I, know that it's through my own doing mm. and it's not someone else. And totally. that is how powerful is that? It and doesn't it's have, so you're not out of control yeah. because they can't do anything to you. But when totally. you realize that you're like, oh, like really I do this, I injure myself Yes. I injure myself through my mind, and I can choose that. And when I start to get fractions, and this is like you said, it's an ongoing thing. But even when I catch myself of allowing myself to be convinced that it's someone else, like, "Oh, girl, honey, boo boo, come back, boo boo, you better come back." You're, you are. Cruising for a bruising. That right. is not the way. And it's like a little indicator, like, you know, says to me, like, come back. That's not that's not that direction. That's not going to give you what you're really actually looking for. You think mm. it's that, but you're really looking in the wrong direction. So when you return to self and go back to yourself, mm. um, that's really the, the reward.
1: Wow. So much wisdom in this conversation. I'm really enjoying it. Thank you so much for your time today. So if there is somebody listening that is deeply resonating with your story and what you're saying, there may be just coming to some sense of awareness. What would be some first steps, some like really practical things that they could do to start cultivating this awareness, to start moving into wholeness?
0: Uh, So there's two things. When you are feeling, when you've deviated, when you can acknowledge when you've deviated, write down when you've deviated. Mm. And I like to keep a little bit of a log book of like how often and <laughs> at what times, what what places in, mm. in, in, in and times in my life I am more apt to be like that. Like I've right. noticed a lot more stirs. After my dad passing, just because I'm interacting with so many more people and I'm also more sensitive, meaning everything's up right now. So just noticing those micro injuries to self Mm. by a stir, like these little tiny injuries (sighs) where you're like, oh, when that person didn't call me back or, oh, when, you know, there's so many things that happen throughout the day, um, you know, when I didn't get my UPS package. Oh, when, you know, they didn't thank me for their, the thank you card or whatever it is, those little micro injuries that we cause to ourselves. do an inventory of your day Mm. and just say like, Oh, where did I lose my power? Like where did I like get a little like pulled? Where did I get that little thing? And sometimes it could be a full thing where it's like, Oh, well I got in a fight. Right. Or I, I, you know, I yelled at my boss or whatever it is, but really just taking a day of observing when that happens and and kind of just being like, oh, yeah, when it could be as simple as they didn't call me back. And you'll be able to kind of graph and chart how often that is happening. And when when it's apt to happen at a higher rate. So it gives you the ability to be like, oh, yeah, I did see that when I'm with my family, this is more likely. So I'm going to make sure that I, you know, definitely sit mm. a lot more. I'm going to prepare to go into a situation knowing I'm going to have to sit. <laughs> You know yeah, what I mean? Totally, Where you're like, totally. okay, I'm preventative, <laughs> whatever. It's like, oh, I know that I'm going to be challenged. I right. know that this is going to happen, but I I can preempt this by knowing that I will choose this in advance.
2: Mm.
0: So the second thing would be um, when you desire to go outside of yourself to react, to externalize, to soothe yourself by calling your best friend and getting them on your side by drinking that bottle of wine, by yelling at that person, by sending that nasty text, sending the, you know, spiteful email, the, um, even a girl, like, uh, you know, texting the guy that is obviously not into you to be like, Hey, what are you doing? Like that desire, is like your ego's attempt to get something because you want to be affirmed, going outside of yourself. So that stir is, oh, maybe he doesn't like me. What can I do to change that? Okay, right. let me come up with this text message to go outside of myself to cause something, to be mm. able to have you either confirm or deny that I'm okay.
2: Mm. Wow. So
0: recognizing that and and uh, being able to notice and sit And and you could give yourself a two hour time period and say like, you know what? I know I'm going to write this text right now. I know I do. I know I do. And I'm going to write it out. I'm going to put it in my notes, but I'm going to sit with myself inside my mind, even while I'm working, even when I'm with my kids, but I'm going to allow myself to feel what it feels like not to do that. And then if I want to, I can nine Mm. times out of 10. You're not really going to want to do that anymore. <laughs> Something changes when you allow yourself to sit. The energy changes when you pick yourself.
1: Totally. totally.
0: So that, that's my um, advice.
1: Incredibly powerful, practical tools. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom. Do you want to tell everybody where they can find your book and reach out to you online?
0: Yes. Yeah, so it's uh, you can find me at at Tina Marie Clark on Instagram. Excuse me. And you can find my book on Amazon. It's called the Shift Stir Method. And yeah, just find me on there. And if anybody is going through any type of stir or they want to um go through anything, um, I'm always available for that online. If somebody's like, hey, I'm you know, knee deep in a sit and all I want to do is get out of myself and do X, Y, and Z, I'm always happy to talk to someone in that moment because it is such a point of power to be Mm. in that moment. So whatever step you are in the method, you can always write to me because um, whenever I speak to other people, it just re uh, reignites that passion and, you know, strengthens Mm. my own work and what I know, because when I get to see it, other people applying it and, and, you know, like I said, getting high on your own supply, when you see other people (laughs) doing it, you're like, oh my gosh, like you just feel so happy because you know, what is at the end of, of them doing that work. They're Mm. getting, they're cultivating confidence in themselves and trusting that they're powerful enough to sit. That is the coolest thing ever observing and being a part of that is, um, you know, I feel so lucky to be able to do that. So anybody can reach out to me, please, um, if you have anything, um, you know, up at two o'clock in the morning, you know, (laughs) texting people back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I will, of course, put all those links in the show notes. Uh, Once again, thank you so much for being here. I have one more question for you, Tina Marie, and it's this. If you were to take all of your experiences, all of your knowledge, all the wisdom gained and distill it down to one message or one sentence, what would it be?
0: I, I'm going to borrow this from Eckhart Tolle, but it's always given me peace. Life will give you whatever experience is necessary for the evolution of your consciousness. How do you know this is necessary? Because it's happening at this exact moment.
1: Oh my God, that just gave me chills right down to my soul. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Yeah, that's,
0: that's like my tried and true. That's, that's like whenever I like get wonky or whatever, I'm like, okay, wait this is this is for my soul's evolution whatever is happening
1: mm. so powerful so powerful thank you so much tina marie for gotcha. sharing thank your you wisdom. so so
0: much yes. this was awesome and i really just I, I feel like my day is like it was like slow running in the beginning and now i feel like i'm on a jetpack thank you so much oh, this is awesome pleasure.
1: yes uh, i would love to have you back on the show i feel like we're just getting started it's been a pleasure to meet you and uh, let's keep awesome. in touch Awesome. Yes, please. Thank you so much, Tina Marie. We'll talk to you real soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, rate, and review. You can also follow us on Instagram, at Being with Cook, And don't forget to check out the Being Community. Go to being-podcast.com slash community now to check it out. We'll see you next time. And remember, live your being.